Hello, everyone. I am Matt Burton. He has the grace of a swan, the wisdom of an owl, and the eye of an eagle. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. I want to tell you guys about Anytime Fitness Gyms. Our partnership with 23rd Street Anytime Fitness just started, and we couldn't be more excited. If you're in central Oklahoma City and thinking about getting a head start on New Year's resolution or wanting to work off the beer and food from Saturday, head to Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker next to the Drake Restaurant in Uptown OKC. You get 24-7 access, private parking located behind the building, everything you'd need for your fitness goals. What more could you ask for? Don't worry if you don't live near this particular Anytime Fitness with over 10 locations in Oklahoma City, as well as multiple locations in Tulsa and Dallas, you'd be set. Just come into the 23rd Street location to sign up and you're free to use any of Anytime Fitness facilities 24-7. Tell them you heard about the deal from Through the Keyhole. Be sure to like and share Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Follow them there for updates on deals and other cool activities. The gym is looking forward to over 40,000 upgrades in equipment and amenities over the next year, so beat the rush and join the best gym in town. Join now for the $1 enrollment program going on now through the end of October. Again, that's 23rd Street Anytime Fitness on Walker and 23rd by the Drake. Tell them through the keyhole sent you. Still running. It's a quarter. CD. It is Tuesday. It's a Tuesday edition. This is not your normal voice. As you guys know, I, this is Keegan Renault. I'm joined alongside Matt Burden, and I'll touch on the third person here in just a second. Uh, as you guys heard on last week's podcast, Brady, uh, with the job that he has with the University of Oklahoma, uh, can no longer be on the podcast with us, which is why Brady's good friend, maybe one of Brady's best friends, I think, as well as a good friend of mine. One of my mentors is our patrons have read my intro on him, a uh, guy that means a heck of a lot to me and a guy that knows a lot about what he's talking about and one of the more even-keeled straight shooters you'll find out there. Uh, pride of Southeast Oklahoma, Durant area, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong here in a sec. That's Mr. Peyton Guthrie. Peyton? Welcome into the Tuesday. Hey, hey, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm here to here here to play, here to stay. You know, we've uh, put put all the chips to the center of the table from the Choctaw Nation Casino. If you guys can come down here and support my paycheck, uh, but yes, Durant, <laughs> Oklahoma. That's it. That's where I am. Uh, hopefully, I can bring some nice, good Southern common sense to this Yankee podcast you guys have been uh, producing for the last what, well over a year now, two years almost. It's been so. Brady and I started last June. So if I'm doing math, it'd be about 15, 16 months at this point that it's been inside OU with Brady. It was with Brady and I, and then now through the keyhole for the last couple months. Peyton, I, don't, I know people, our patrons hear you on our post-game show, but Oklahoma's 9-0. Oklahoma's 9-0 and has won, I believe, five games against FBS opponents uh, by one possession. Let's just get your early thoughts right right off the gate, right out of the gate here. Let's get your early thoughts on kind of the season that it's been for the for the people that listen to the public pod um, that haven't heard you talk about what Oklahoma's been like this season. Man, I think this season obviously has just been super frustrating for, for the fan base, super frustrating for the players, you can tell. Uh, I, I think there's a quote that's floated around by Eric Gray uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago when they're 8-0, I believe. And he was saying something like, if we were 8-0 in Tennessee, we'd all be, you know, jumping and popping champagne and stuff. But here it feels like it's just everyone's just like down on themselves. I mean, you can tell there is 
there's, you know, expectations which are put upon you by outside people. Like I have an expectation of what I think OU football should do and which all the fans are experiencing. We're experiencing our expectations potentially not being met. And then you have goals, which is, you know, what the team has. And Lincoln Riley was kind of loud and proud during the, the talking season saying national championship is our goal. So you can tell there's just a lot of frustrating things coming through. Uh, and then obviously the turning point. I mean, we've talked about it at, at, at nauseum at this point in time, but it was just a pressure release at Texas. And then every game since then, I mean, obviously Kansas, the team tried to sleepwalk with half the team. Uh, playing baseball or whatever uh, instead of playing on the football field. Um, but I don't know how I feel right now. I feel unbridled optimism at this point in time, man. I, I this is the stretch. This is, this is, this is a nut cutting season as the, as a Southern terminology terminology. Uh, I think that's just we're about to find out. Yeah. We're about to find out. Is this team for real or, or are they uh, a bunch of frauds? I'm pretty excited for it. It is that time of the year. Oklahoma hasn't lost in November since 2014. Um, and again, that is Peyton Guthrie. You can follow him on Twitter at Peyton Glenn, like Woody. I don't know if you want people following you, Peyton, or not, but there you go. There's your yeah, shout out. It. Yeah, let's get me Twitter famous. <laughs> oh, that's always the goal, right? That's always the goal. Always. Uh, I need anyways, to check. Matt Burton, Mr. Matt Burton, speak, my friend. Welcome to Tuesday. What's going on, guys? Sorry if I seem a little distracted today. It is the opening day of uh, college basketball season, so I uh, got OU Northwestern State going on right now. Gonna watch, uh, gonna watch my Dukies later. Take on the Kentucky Wildcats at eight thirty, right after, uh, you know, right after the college football playoff committee, you know, right after their rankings. But yeah, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, ready for this final stretch of OU football, man. Matt, you said you got you had plans last weekend. What were your plans last weekend? You you told us oh, on man. Thursday that hey, bye week, I'm out. So no, yeah. you guys, you guys do what you want. I'm out. Yeah, no, I uh, <laughs> it really just came down to I had only seen my girlfriend twice in two weeks. So uh, oh, yeah. is this because of the burnt orange sweatshirt? Yes, this- yes, it's because yeah, I made fun of her way too much about her burnt orange sweatshirt. That she still says is mustard yellow. It was definitely burnt orange. Anyone with eyes can tell you that. Um, but anyway, yeah. So it was it was hang out with her for a weekend um, because I hadn't seen her in a while. So that, that's what that's what I had to do. Peyton, what did you do on your bye weekend? I sounds like you uh, had a big boy deal go down. An adult yeah, deal. The bye. Yes, yes. The bye weekend, uh, I, I closed on my house on Friday, and then I spent uh, Saturday and Sunday coming in and out of uh, Nebraska Furniture Mart down in Dallas, buying refrigerator, washer and dryer, you know, scoping out couches and stuff. I mean, doing all that stuff you got to do when you move into a new place. So uh, a, a big step, I would I would suggest doing it if you can. Uh, take on your know, life crippling debt and uh, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah yeah that's yeah that just sounds great let's take on more and more debt no i'm kidding uh peyton this is uh, an interesting stretch for oklahoma upcoming uh one i guess we should start here when we get into talking about oklahoma and lincoln riley was not at his press conference today so there were not a ton of press clippings to talk about uh, his yeah and i was che- i checked 
before we jumped on here, I, I checked the flat the flight tracker and I, I couldn't find any departures out of Norman to Baton Rouge. So I think we may be okay. I saw a couple going to Denver. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe the Broncos may have something opened up, but uh, hopefully Lincoln is back for game time this coming weekend. Not out for that ass kicking of the Dallas Cowboys on Saturday, by the way. <laughs> God, that was – I really hated to see that, by the way. Really, really well, well, you love to see it. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Peyton, this is a, a final stretch that you wrote about on our Monday post. Um, a stretch that I think a lot of Oklahoma fans are, are familiar with in terms of kind of the competition that's coming. Uh, it's going to be the three hardest opponents on the schedule this year um, per SP+. Plus. As you guys both know, I've sent you guys some graphics this week. This is technically over the final five games. I had to include five games, by the way. I didn't tell you all this. Because in 2019, they played Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, Baylor, like back-to-back. And that's the only time they haven't played Kansas or Texas Tech. Like the Big 12 has given Oklahoma Kansas in the month of November five times. Like I, it's just ridiculous in my mind. But regardless of that, this is shaping up to be the toughest stretch that Oklahoma's had upcoming. Uh, Peyton, how, where, how do you feel about it today? I know you said unbridled opt- optimism kind of where your position is at. But as Oklahoma, I think as the days get closer, I know you guys, I know this fan base really well. As uh, every hour closer to kickoff at 11 a.m. in Waco on Saturday, um, that unbridled optimism kind of turns into worry, to, into some worry. Uh, but this is, the, this is it, man. I'm excited. Like, I, as you can kind of tell in my voice, like this is, I don't know, from my perspective, it's like Oklahoma had the Nebraska game and then Texas was really fun, right, that week like leading up and breaking it down and the kind of back and forth and the fan bases and this and that. But this is like – this is real meaningful football. And this is a real, real opponent that they're about to face um, in Baylor and then another one in Iowa State and another one in Oklahoma State. And you'll have to face one of those three again. How are we feeling? Through the Keyhole is brought to you by Uptown Anytime Fitness. That is Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker. The best gym in Oklahoma City, if you ask me, and I know that for a fact because I've been using it for just about two years and I couldn't love it anymore. Perfect size, perfect amount of equipment, and we're even getting $40,000 upgraded equipment over the next few months, so we're excited for that. But it's not too big, it's not too small, it's not intimidating. So for first-time gym users or, you know, if you're out there getting closer and closer to the new year and you're thinking about... New Year's resolutions, new fitness goals. Yeah, this gym is not intimidating. There's never a a ton of people inside at any point during the day, so you never have to wait for your equipment. It's just the best place, in my opinion, to be if you're just trying to improve yourself in one way or another. And the new owner, Garrett, is awesome, very personable, very helpful, and wants to help you guys out as much as possible. So for the month of October, they're doing a dollar membership sign-up fee. Again, it's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Just let them know that you heard about this deal from Through the Keyhole or just from me. Maybe you'll run into me and you can make fun of me. But again, there are about a 1,000 Anytime Fitnesses across the map. So if you don't necessarily live around Uptown OKC, you can just come up here, sign up with this gym with Garrett, and then you're able to use any of Anytime Fitness's facilities. There are a ton in the metro. There's a few in Edmond. There's a few in Tulsa. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and used an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville. 
Fitness, Anytime Fitness in Kaufman. So even if you travel consistently, Anytime Fitness will still be there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And hey, if you are perfectly fine with how you feel, how you look, all those things, that's fine. But just help us out here at Through the Keyhole and go ahead and like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a follow. We will greatly appreciate that. I mean, I, I feel honestly pretty good about it. I know you had a you had some the guys on uh, the Big 12 roundtable on, and uh, you're kind of asked lobbying some Grinch questions about his stubbornness out to the in the table, and you're pretty much met with silence. And the idea was, well, everyone's hurt, <laughs> uh, and it seems like from the from the people we know who know, you now a lot of those dudes are going to be back or be fully healthy or fully up to speed. So it does seem like this version of OU that will be walking in uh, into Waco um, or whatever. Uh, will be the team potentially that we were promised to see. I mean, you know, uh, the Prince that was promised to a certain degree. So I'm feeling, I'm wanting to believe, I want to believe uh, that the the teams coming up or the teams that, oh, you should be able to handle. I mean, if you've just, uh, this is prompted on by a a Twitter thread. I cannot remember. I think it's one of the football brainiacs, Texas guys was talking about if you say, Texas is super talented. It's a lazy take or something like that. And then, and you know, basically it broke down the, according to 24 seven, Texas is the 11th ranked most talented team in the nation right now. Uh, OU is sixth. I mean, OU is extremely talented. Uh, Baylor is 41st. Oklahoma state is 47th. Iowa state's not even the top 50 of this most talented, you know, teams. Now, obviously blue chip ratio doesn't, isn't end all be all. I mean, Texas wouldn't be, bordering on a six to six season if, if, if that's what everything was, but it just does seem like it's, it's, it's going to start showing off. I, I think OU learning to win close is going to be good for it coming down to the playoffs. When you start playing the better teams, um, I don't know, man, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of struggling with it. I think OU is just going to show up. Caleb Williams is going to show out. And there's going to be a lot of interesting decisions the playoff committee is going to have to come to and potentially award-winning seasons that have to come up to and think, what is this OU football team? Half the season, they kind of sucked. And the last half, they kind of picked it up and looked entirely different. So I just feel pretty damn good about it, to be honest with you. And, and I'm usually kind of a doomer about that, but I feel pretty good about it. So analytically, as I mentioned a second ago, defensively, this is by far going to be the toughest four-game stretch to win the Big 12 that – and Oklahoma, any and not just Spencer Rattler, not just Jalen Hurts, not just Kyler Murray, including Baker Mayfield. This is the toughest defensive stretch for any Oklahoma quarterback, and it's being on to put on a platter, Peyton, for uh, a guy that's was not playing football for the last eighteen months before, like five weeks ago, uh, or as a starting quarterback, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's intriguing, man. Like I I sit here and I, I kind of look at the numbers and I look at what Oklahoma's done over the course of this year, who they've played over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think it's just so intriguing from that perspective, Peyton, where like Oklahoma, like in the past, you know, I've showed you guys 2017 and 19, the defenses were pretty good. 2019 and 20 were the best that this Oklahoma. And I think it speaks to this league, honestly, more than anything, Peyton, that defense has improved. The offense has regressed. This is going to be one of the worst offensive stretches that they've, face to win a big 12 title so it's like that kind of like mix and match right because you're talking about a defense especially in defending the run uh has continued to be exceptional week in and week out and you're kind of going up against three quarterbacks that are turnover prone 
at times. You're against three offensive lines that allow a lot of penetration and pressure. Uh, there's no offensive line in the Big 12 that's any good. I don't know if there's any offensive line in the country that's actually any good. Um, you know, we're still, you know, to be found out about Georgia and that group. So um, it's just, it's what makes this it's so intriguing. And Peyton, we get to this point every year. And like you said, you know, you, not, I'm not necessarily talking to you all the time, but you know, I wouldn't say you're a doomsdayer like at this time of the year at all. Um, you have more optimism than what I remember. Uh, but I guess, like I said, like from the aspect of they're facing so many tough defenses coming up. And I think that's such a, a different, you know, variable this time of the year than what we're accustomed to with Oklahoma. And I think like the offensive line for Oklahoma, like not, you know, up to stuff quite yet. And like those things, I, it just makes this this whole puzzle, like trying to put this whole thing together about what this is going to look like. Uh, it's made, made it difficult, I think a little bit, but at the same time too, like I'm so intrigued about what this is going to look like down the stretch. Cause of the, some of the things you just said, like guys are getting healthy. Uh, I think Alex Grinch is going to not be allowed to speak to the media anymore after today saying Woody Washington's going to be uh, potentially, yeah. you know, ready for this weekend. Um, so yeah, he's getting, they're getting some guys back, you know, they're getting some, you know, important pieces to what their success was supposed to look like back. Um, but again, the, it's just the weirdness of the opponents that they're playing and the difficulty of the schedule where Oklahoma's kind of at like analytically, like I'll, you know, say they're 2.1 points, I think better uh, offensively so far with Caleb Williams opposed to Spencer Rattler. Um, so there's that, you know, added to it, but like I said, it's just such an intriguing stretch and I'm, you know, you can tell in my voice, I'm just kind of so ready for it, as I said a second ago, but it, it's to you, like, it's how tough is this stretch? Like compared, I know we go back and you always try to, you know, every year's different every year's its own thing, but how, how difficult do you think this is in retrospect of what we've seen the last couple of years, even back to when this thing started in 2015? Well, I want to kind of talk on that first point you just said. Every year is not different. I mean, I'm a big fan of priors. I'm a big, especially at college football. Now, NFL, every game to game is different. College football, these programs are like, you know, cruise ship liners. I mean, they take a while to turn unless you just have a bad coach in there or everyone gets hurt. I mean, but these things kind of take time. They take time to move or uh, – it's kind of like the – I'm kind of a little bit of a rant here, like Nebraska getting rid of, uh, of Frank in the early 2000s. They saw that he wasn't going to be a 12-win season, that he was going to be a really good coach, but it was going to slowly degrade. So they made a – you know, they took a shot. Potentially, I mean, obviously, if you see where that shot has led them now 20 years later, a bad shot that, that they took. But they can see – when you see greatness and you see it slowly deteriorate – um, that's what happens. These football teams very rarely just disintegrate over time. I mean, like Jim, like look at Florida State. It, it takes like years and years. I mean, Jimbo was riding that out until the very end, and then he jumped off, and then they were bad. But you can see the cracks in the foundation. So I, I think if you just look at those previous years and see how OU lost to those teams and see what happened, I think OU is actually in a better place for it. Uh, the Iowa State games that OU lost is because they were more of a balanced team. They ran a lot more. Iowa State shows you light boxes, and then they kind of flood you with the, uh, that positionless football that they play, the, you know, the, the six deep or whatever. Uh, 
but this OU football team doesn't really try to run all that much. I mean, they run when they absolutely have to, and the rest of the time they're Caleb Williams is kind of throwing the ball around. TCU has kind of laid that out against Baylor too. It's like, yeah, if you just run into them. And I think that's kind of what the defenses have done because the spread is to spread you out in order to find the weakness and find, you know, find the numbers. And a lot of these play callers and offensive coordinators are getting kind of caught up in seeing these light boxes and going, Oh, guess we're just going to run all day long. And you're just getting kind of slammed over and over again. And really what they should be doing is just trusting what got them there in the first place, spread them thin and throw the ball. And I think, like Texas Tech, I mean, that game, the TCU games, it showed that Caleb Williams really has the opportunity to, to continue doing that. I mean, I honestly feel kind of good about this stretch, and it feels weird. I feel like there's, you know, there's a sword above my head hanging on barely by the thread of a rope um, while I'm sitting on, on the throne there. Um, but it, I think OU's own limitations are actually preparing it for this stretch better than if they were a better running team, if that kind of weird makes sense in an odd way. Yeah, OU's inability to run has actually prepared it for these defenses because these defenses are built to try to make you run, and you can beat them by throwing on them. And I think Caleb can do it. Uh, yeah, I think I think so. And I think like a big piece of kind of, Peyton, as you heard me talk to you guys this weekend, like I had a lot of things I was trying to get, you know, presented to people. And I'm glad I didn't put anything out there, Peyton, because it all would have looked really stupid, just like everything else has this year at times. Uh, because Chandler Morris comes out and throws for 461 yards uh, against Dave Aranda last weekend. That's the third most ever by a quarterback against a Dave Aranda defense, which is just unbelievable. Uh, it's the most this year. And I think the most important piece of that is that he was picking up big yardage on third down, third and 10, third and 12, third and 15, another third and 10. And I don't think those are things that happen very often against a, against a Dave Aranda defense, especially with the way he disguises things, the way he is able to generate pressure from blitzes, all of those things. And so, yeah, I think that there's a, a little piece of this down the stretch where, you know, if a team wants to make Caleb Williams beat them and continue to commit to the run game and try to stop it, I think there, there could be some success there. Uh, obviously, these def defenses, those windows are going to be a little bit tighter. Uh, the way they're trying to play defense, what they're trying to disguise is going to be a little bit better. There's going to be more times where he doesn't know what's coming than what he has in the last, you know, three or four weeks. So it's, uh, yeah, I think when you're kind of looking at a, a stretch here where teams, these three defenses are built to stop the run, whether it looks like it or not, because it's going to look like light boxes. The oh entire yeah, time. for sure. Yes. And, yes. but they're built to stop the run. And so, yeah, I think you have to be able to throw it on them. Um, but I also think too, you're going to have to be able to run the football a little bit. And we're going to talk more about the offensive line. We're going to talk more about Baylor on Thursday uh, but Peyton, I think that's probably if there's a cup, two things that really worry me down this final stretch, uh, one, the offensive line and two, they're facing three, two of them, two of the three are exceptional coordinators and have been for the last, you know, couple years. Uh, gosh, I can't, the guy that's up at Iowa state always escapes my name, but Jeff Grimes is doing it. No, no, the offensive coordinator, uh, up at offensive Iowa state. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, Messingham's Kansas State. Uh, I think the guy at Iowa State starts with an S. We'll have to look it up or I'll look it up. But 
Jeff Grimes at Baylor, uh, and then you also have Casey Dunn up at Oklahoma State, who's doing a fairly good job with what the, the hand he's been dealt. But, yeah, I think that that's my two biggest worries. He's Peyton. doing a fairly good job. I think he's got, like, uh, raw stat numbers. I mean, if we're going to look at, like, just whole stats, not just, like, the advanced statistics – like the sixth best defense in the nation, Oklahoma State. I mean, he yeah, Jim Knowles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Jim points Knowles. per game. Yeah, Jim Knowles. Yeah, okay, I, I've, Tom Manning. By the names, way. I was like, I was like, hold on a second. Tom Manning is the offensive Todd, coordinator. Tom Manning is the offensive of coordinator at Iowa Manning. State. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's my. That was I was going to say. Those are my two worries, Peyton. I think Oklahoma's offensive line concerns me greatly because they're about to go up against some good fronts down the stretch and good defensive coordinators, especially when you consider the communication has been struggling at times. Uh, and then on the, on the flip side of that, I, I worry that Oklahoma's, I sent you guys a video today. Uh, Oklahoma's had a hard time adjusting to uh, what opponents are trying to do against them. And you're about yeah. to face two, at least two of the next three coordinators are really, really good at, Attack, knowing your weaknesses and going to those weaknesses over and over and over again until they until Oklahoma shows they're going to stop. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's something I do get onto about Lincoln. About if if anyone has ever talked to me about football games, especially OU and Lincoln Riley, he'd like he, <coughs> he gets too damn cute. I mean, like Herman would just sit there and say, "Oh, we're turning QB power the next thirty plays because you can't stop it." Riley just doesn't have that in him because he's always thinking, oh, I'm going to run this play here this time. So in five minutes, I'll run it again, but I'm going to have the uh, fullback leak out, you know, whatever. He's always mad scientist instead of just like run a damn slant. They can't stop it. You know, and that's what teams are doing to OU right now. They're just running a damn slant. <laughs> OU really can't stop it. And it's super easy how to do it too. Uh, I think it's one of the few things that I've had a, an agreement on with Ian. All you got to do is – run a uh take take a running back say release him to the flat that linebacker is going to uh, evacuate the middle and then boom slants wide open every single time <laughs> like it, it is there is a structure to Grinch's defense which is great at getting you to a certain floor but once smart people find out what your structure is and just like that example oh i just send a running back on a swing route and all of a sudden the middle of the field wide open because the run because the linebacker is running his ass off to get to the flat it's game over. I mean, once they find out what it is your defense does um, and how it reacts, it, it is kind of game over. So I do think Grinch potentially needs to start identifying some of those things. I remember – I can't remember what game. I think it was the West Virginia game where there's kind of doing slant, slant, slant. And then all of a sudden the linebacker just sat down and the slant started getting broken up for a little while and you can kind of see what was happening. Um I think Grinch has just been kind of rolling with what he's got with the people he has out there right now. I mean, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that this team is going to be a different team come this weekend with the fresh bodies coming in. Redmond having more time to heal up. Redmond having more snaps on his body, uh, getting ready to apply more pressure, freeing Nick up, freeing Isaiah Thomas up more. Uh, I think the D-line is going to be able to get in there. And all of a sudden, it really doesn't matter. I mean, if the D-line's getting home, it really doesn't matter if Grinch is stubborn or not. <laughs> the, the issue is they haven't been getting home as much as we'd like, obviously, or just pulling the Winfrey and just running right by quarterbacks or, or running backs uh, in, in the backfield, which is, you know, obviously uh, frustrating as a fan who had high hopes for him. Uh, but then on the other side of it, on the offensive side stuff, I mean, 
I think we just need to embrace it. And, and maybe there's fear in our hearts and maybe we're a little shaky in the boots and we're, you know, we've been on this edge before. It, it's, it's the meme where we've got, we've got the nooses around our necks saying first time. Hey, uh, but I think Caleb Williams is just Baker Mayfield. I mean, I mean, I think he's going to be okay with a dirty pocket. He's shown that he's okay with it. I mean, he's shown that he can operate with dudes running at him because he can just, you know, step to the left and then step forward and throw a ball. That TCU structure, I'm, again, I'm kind of ranting a little bit, but the TCU structure, uh, there's a lot of people saying, well, just replacing Max isn't going to fix the issues. And then they put in <laughs> the new guy, Morris, OU transfer, and all of a sudden the issues aren't fixed. He can just operate in that environment. And I think that was kind of Radler's issue. He can't operate very well. I'm not going to say he just can't operate, but he can't operate very well in a chaos-induced environment because the O-line's you know, just leaking all over the place. Caleb Williams can, you know, Caleb Williams doesn't fix the line, but he knows how to operate or can at least is able to operate in that area. So to me, that's, is a wash. I think the O-line is just, is just the issue. It just is what it is. And Caleb can just manage and navigate that stuff similar to how Baker did. I mean, not the same as Kyler, obviously, uh, but, Similar to Baker, he reminds me of that, how he moves around in the backfield and stuff like that to get guys open downfield. Yeah, I think the one thing I want to talk, you know, talking point here kind of on that is obviously there's a, a lot of conversation, not just, you know, from me, but uh, from the aspect of, well, yes, like it's been great, but they also played Texas Tech and TCU and Texas and Kansas who have three or those sure. four or the four of the worst sure. defensive teams in the league. And, I think I think we found out the second half Texas uh, defensively is not very good uh, over the yep. last three to four weeks. And yeah, I think there's a lot to be found out. Uh, you get you've seen a video paid and I've sent it to you from the Texas Tech game. Uh, you guys can go check that out from the Patreon. I'll actually have a free video up of these three, four plays of what really excites me about what Caleb Williams is going to be. Uh, but as I kind of alluded to before, Chandler Morris absolutely just tore through a Dave Aranda defense, Peyton. Uh, good luck, kid. Like, that's kind of where my head's at. It's like you, like you've got three plays against Texas Tech where you use your eyes, you manipulate a defense, you use great timing, you deliver a throw, everything's great. Uh, and then now he's going to go up against Dave Aranda, John Heacock, and Jim Knowles, who are going to do nothing but get six guys on the line of scrimmage, drop three of them, have three on the line of scrimmage, bring six. They're going to do all sorts of crazy shit over the next three to four weeks. I'm really excited to see how he responds, though. As someone who's like now at a point, as you know, Peyton, talking about these three plays from Texas Tech, like I'm completely bought in like on him long term. But I'm, I'm excited to see how he reacts in this environment where there's going to be a lot of unknown. I mean, there's going to be multiple plays in this game where he doesn't know what guy's dropping into coverage, because even if even if it's Tom Brady right now going up against it, like he's even struggles that he's even struggling more and more this year. I know Tom's having a fantastic year, but when people, especially the saints a couple of weeks ago, you know, gave him a bunch of different new looks and new windows that he's having to try to navigate and throw through. I'm excited to see how he responds to this man. Cause I know that this kid's up for the challenge. Like, and that's what excites me the most because I, I, I think this kid gets it. You can see that he's willing to learn because these plays I'm talking about those three, came in the second half against Texas Tech. So that means he went to the locker room. He talked it over with Lincoln and uh, whoever else is there, you know, helping him out. He, he's dealing with it on the sideline, hearing it. And he's making those adjustments in game. And those things, that 
process is so critical over the next three weeks. He showed us he could do it. I'm just ready to see how he reacts because this is going to be, yeah. like I said, like I said earlier, this is not just a unique challenge for, you know, Oklahoma to go up against an Oklahoma quarterback. Hasn't gone in a stretch that he's about to go through. And this kid's 19 and I'm, I'm excited to see how he reacts to this. Yeah. I think he's going to be a bit of a jagged little pill to swallow by these defensive coordinators and opposing fan bases. Cause like you get the, you gave us the Tom Brady example. Yeah, they're going to be flooding those those passing lanes and kind of flooding the zones with a lot of different people and giving him different looks. But there's something that Caleb can do that Tom Brady can't, which is run really fucking fast. <laughs> I mean, that I, I think he's when you have a quarterback who can launch the ball the way he can, throw the ball the way he can, hit guys in time the way he can, and then also be an extreme uber athlete. It I mean, it just changes things. It just changes things. I, I'm more interested to see how often these defenses are going to start spying him, which is going to obviously break up some of their coverage tendencies um, in order to keep him in the pocket, or if they're going to just tell him, we want you to run eight to nine yards every other play. We don't want you throwing the ball. It, it's going to be interesting to see how what he wants to do and how he's able to do it. So, I think, you know, just from a pure thrower perspective or the passing perspective, you know, I, I'm, I'm right in line with you. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Um, but I think just from a football player perspective, I'm excited to see how these teams are going to try to stop him fully if Lincoln Riley has told him, we're going to run you 10 to 12, maybe 15 times a game because we have to win these games. It's, I don't know, like, I'm still kind of stuck now, uh, as you knew, heading into the Tech game, and obviously with some intel, and I still feel positive kind of about where they're heading offensively because it, it makes a, the world of sense. Hey, we've got two great receivers that winning at the line of scrimmage that have great athleticism, maybe more than two. Maybe it's Marvin Mims and it's, you know, Jane Hazelwood and Mike Woods and Mario Williams and getting them in more one-on-one -on -one situations with teams focused on the run game, getting two tight ends on the field, doing those things uh, could be really, really exciting. You're talking about pissed off defensive coordinators and defensive coaches. Uh, we heard one today. In another week of us talking about Texas football off the field and not caring that they just got their ass beat 30 to seven in a football game, which Finally, I've picked Iowa State to cover three straight weeks. Uh, they blew it against Oklahoma State, not getting some fourth downs. They get screwed in Morgantown. I'm kidding. They gave up 370 passing yards to Jarrett effing Deggy. Uh, but Iowa State takes care of business. And then Bo Davis took care of business of his team, uh, or at least the players on that bus, as you guys just heard in some audio. I probably should have said, hey, this is not safe for work. Uh, Matt probably needs to put like a, a warning label before this for that start. I, I'm serious on that. We may need to really do that in case. Uh, but as you guys just heard, Bo Davis lit and the defensive line coach was at Alabama. Uh, got a show cause, I believe, at Alabama from a recruiting perspective. Uh, but overall, that is uh, Mr. Bo Davis expressing some feelings. Peyton, I want to say this first. I'm not cool with the hey, you mother effers from somebody like I never appreciated it when, like, my coach did that whenever I was in college. Like, hey, you peas, more than that's what we heard. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's, like, very direct. And then, like, but at the same time, like, one, I guess here, here's where I'm at. One, we watch the games. I know you watch it at a level that I even watch it at at times. Uh, their defensive line hasn't improved that much from last year. And that's a group that should have improved. So, one, I'm kind of like, 
Bo Davis, like, are you, are you doing your job? Like, are you sure you're doing your job? But then two, yes, Texas players need to hear what he said, Peyton. Yeah, I, I'm fine to language on. I mean, I'm fine. With, I mean, I'm in. I didn't play sports growing up. I was a theater major, and I heard that language when you're fucking up on stage and not rumor and blocking mm. and stuff. So I mean, I, I'm fine with it. You got to coach young men. You got to get to them. Maybe they're not listening. You got to slap them in the face and kind of look. I mean, not like Jimmy Lake, metaphorically slap them in the face. Please don't fire me. Uh, metaphorically get to them. What I think is the bigger issue is just the tone of his voice. You listen to him. It sounds like he's about to start. I mean, he looks, sounds like he's on the verge of tears almost, how he's kind of like breaking at some of his yelling and stuff. And you can think, you can almost hear him say, Sork has to fire somebody because of this season. <laughs> Texas isn't going to let him walk out of here with five to six losses and say, keep your entire staff. Uh, you, you can tell something's going to happen. You can almost hear him say, Guys, you're costing me my job. Yeah, yeah, that's how I heard it. That's how I heard it. <laughs> and then the other part, the, the part that's the bigger issue, it's not him yelling, not the language, not him getting in their faces, is that the team is so checked out that the, someone's like, I'm going to record this and put it on social media. I mean, and this being like two days Do we after know what Xander medium, Worthy, real quick, real quick, do we know what medium that this was posted? Was it like on a Snapchat story and someone just like lifted it? Like, how did this oh, become about? No yeah, I have no idea either. Cause it, it, so I got it, I got it first before Red Dirt Sport posted it. Someone yeah. sent it to me and it was a, like an IMGUR like link. Like you had to go, like someone put it on a message board or something. And that's like a host site for videos. Like that's how I saw mm-hmm. it the first time. So I don't know how this got out there, which is also intriguing. Did it get sent to somebody? And then somebody posted it on Orange Bloods? Like, I, I guess that would be the only thing I can think of. Yeah, that'd have to be the only way that have, like, yeah, you know, some because again, these football players they all want to be famous, so they're all accepting every other Snapchat request they get or something like that. So, but the, the, I mean, yeah, the other part is that you've got guys who are so checked out for doing that. You got Xavier Worthy being on whatever show he was on saying, Well, you can't make the rest of the team play hard. I'm just doing, you know, I'm just taking care of myself. <laughs> Basically, I mean, this Texas team. I mean, it's a failure to me personally. Obviously, I'm no U fan, whatever. But this is a failure of leadership from the top all the way down. If, if this is what the team's doing and this is how they're reacting to these losses or to this season or to this coaching. Uh, and I don't want to sit there and say, pull the plug. But I think whatever good graces Sark had walking into the season are obviously completely gone. And there's message board stuff saying we should have just kept Herman. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he navigates. Uh, the, the, I think he potentially has two more losses looking at him, potentially. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how he has, how he's made to respond to this season uh, in a month. I think it's like I, I showed you some data from kind of down there and with Pete Kwiatkowski, obviously a, a team and a defense that I was high on. I, you know, said it was about like a – I think it was about a month ago, Matt, whenever – might have been OU Texas week, whenever I was just like, yeah, like, Tavondre Sweat. Like, I'm a hate, I, I didn't single anybody out. Like, and I know he's played well at times, Peyton. But if you would have told me that guy's not an all-conference caliber player, not pushing to be a like a day two draft pick, but after this year, like I would have told you, you're insane. I mean, you know how I talk in the offseason. 
Like I would have been like, what are you watching? Like, are we watching the same thing? And he's just not gotten any better. Alfred Collins goes missing on a drive. You know, he's been, he's been better the last month or so, but like Keandre Coburn's their only guy. Like he is there. And you want to talk about Peyton and I go, we can go way back on this one. I think both of you and I, when Oklahoma was recruiting and we were like, what are, what are they doing? Like this guy's like a, uh, short, like he's not very explosive. Mean, now he's turned into a pretty good player, but he's the only one. And it's like, then you go to the linebacker situation they have. Overshone's gone a lot better this year. Like I'll give him some credit, like way better than he was a year ago at this time. The Brockemeyer kid, I like. He's always in position. He's yeah. very limited athletically, but he fills gaps right. His highs are in the right place. The guys behind him, and this this is like I, I like I posted on Inside Texas to some of those guys there, and it's like it's almost like a Grinch conversation I I, I have all, you know we have all the time with his rotation at linebacker. It's like why is Overshone and Brockermeyer not on the field together? Like why are they not on the field majority of the time? Again, I I can't figure it out. Like I I don't know. Um, I I kind of like like the foundation they have from like what the offense is trying to be right and what the defense is trying to be. But the way they've gone about, like, succeeding at both of those areas has been really weird. And Peyton, as you've you've talked to Ian Boyd earlier, I'm going to mention him again here. Uh, They didn't run any RPOs against Iowa State, right? I think that was what his tweet was about. Yeah. Like, Uh, what the hell, Sark? What are we doing? I I think – I don't know. I I think Sark is panicking. I mean, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, I mean, he panicked after the Arkansas game. He replaced a, a, well, a young, promising quarterback because of a failure at offensive line. Well, he panicked again. It's it's kind of what I mentioned earlier, kind of the TCU thing. He can't fix the offensive line, but he can put a quarterback in there that can operate in a bad behind we a bad thought. offensive line. I I, we, I think he made. I think he actually made. I think he still think. I still think that was the the, the best decision putting Casey back there for that stretch of games. You can't look at what Casey did and the numbers he put up and say that was a bad decision. In my mind, the games collapsed because for some reason they decide to get up. I mean, that Oklahoma State game, they lost because Sark didn't hammer the ball. Like, what's – you're up multiple – you're up like 14, 18 points. Just run the damn ball, you know, and he just wouldn't do it. It's That stuff doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, this league is – built to break you in that way uh and he just wouldn't do it i mean look at k-state look how they beat people historically get a lead and just like bleed you dry for some reason sark just won't do it i mean he sh- he had oh you dead the rights just hand make Bijan run 30 times i mean damn <laughs> you know win the ball game but he's he, it's very weird it's very strange again i'll mention it texas is the 11th most talented team in the nation TCU is the only TCU is 29th. They're the next closest one in the Big 12. They've got dudes. They're not coaching them. They're not putting them in the position to succeed in any way, shape, or form. It's been a struggle to see it. Uh, like Grinch, like let's let's compare Grinch and, and PK. Grinch's first year was fantastic because Grinch said, I've got Kenneth Murray. He's really good at blitzing. Let's just blitz him a whole bunch. <laughs> and it worked. PK seems like he's got a bunch of dudes who don't fit his system and just decided to run his system. And I think that's kind of what's happening. They've got a bunch of dudes who don't fit Sark's system and don't fit PK system, and they didn't adjust their systems at all. 
No, they didn't. And it's caused a, another video. You have a monkey bite last week. You've got coach yelling on the bus this <laughs> week. Uh, next week, it'll be uh, who knows what it'll be. It'll be. Well, not only that, you had the monkey bite. You had the coach yelling. You had a, a more transferring uh, because of him and Sark yelling at each other. I mean, the, it's, it's some upstairs, downstairs drama happening. I mean, as the Texas world turns, I mean, honestly. Is this oh, yeah. is this Sark's last strike as a head coach? At tech, as oh, like as a, head a for, as a head sure. coach, yes, 100%. yeah, he should yes. just be a coordinator. Yes. I think he's I a think, good coordinator. Yeah, and I think like, and again, you gotta you gotta be careful with year one stuff. But I mean, they're they're definitely not in a place that you'd want to see them right now. Like that's for damn sure. Right, I'm not saying um, he's gonna get fired, but if he fails at Texas, this is that's his last head job at anywhere notable right see you say that but clay helton got a job at georgia southern and it's like that's what i mean like someplace someplace very notable notable. someplace notable he'd have to go he'd have to go somewhere smaller probably aac ish to make a comeback um and succeed there so yeah i think but they're not going to go anywhere guys until their offensive i mean their offensive line is i mean Peyton, you've heard me say this for three years straight now like i had them going nine and three this year but I also yeah. thought that the Big 12 was I told the you. bottom. God, I tell you. The bottom floor of the Big 12, I thought, was way lower than what it is. I mean, yeah. as you've seen, like, Baylor, Kansas State, and te- even Texas Tech have all, like, consistently improved this year. And, yeah. I, and I, I told Virginia, you on West three Virginia, teams. I'm jumping. I'm told, I told you on three teams. I said Texas is not covering. Iowa State's not covering the, those overs. And Kansas State is going to get above that under. It's just you just you could just tell. I mean, the it's like what you mentioned. It's the priors. You can't fix an offensive line in three years. That's a five year fix that Texas has, and they never fully commit to fixing it. So it just always is an issue. It's like defensive backs at OU. It's probably a five year fix that we're one year into trying to fix fully. You know, I mean, so it, college football programs take a long time. But I think it's an SB Nation writer. I cannot remember his name. Uh, but basically, head coaches are who they are after year two. After year two, if they haven't done it, they're probably not going to do it. It doesn't happen very often. I think Tom Osborne is the only real one who started winning, you know, hugely really late. You're looking at years two, three, four, kind of where Lincoln is. I mean, Lincoln's obviously past that, but. You, those are the ceilings of those coaches. He's like, this is who I am. Um, and, you know, and Riley has continued to be that coach. Sark has never been this coach people thought he was going to be uh, at any position. So, yeah, I, th- I think if, if he's looking at five losses again next year, potentially, I mean, the Big 12 still hasn't given out their schedules. Oh, I've, I've had that they were going to be down. <laughs> I, I think They're going to be done. down next year. <laughs> They're going to be down. They, I were, think he's, they were always going to be down next year. I don't think year. he's making year three then. <laughs> He's not making year yeah. three. I mean, they like they they lose on defense. I mean, they lose overshone. They lose their entire secondary, which is I think it still has some good players in it. I mean, they they lose. I'm at they're gonna lose coaches this year. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, they're gonna lose Bo Day. I mean, I I don't know how you bring Bo Davis back with how that they've played up front defensively, like. That's what he was brought in to do. Like, that's a group that already had a bunch of dudes. You want to talk about a group that did have dudes. And it's just – it's it's disappointing from, like, 
from my perspective of like, I want to see some of those guys, like I want to see those guys succeed, like individually as players, like get better and like, oh, true, go to the draft true, and do true, those true. things. But it's um, so go good from my OU fan perspective. I mean, it's that, good for content. I mean, look at my, horrible. I mean, look at, look at the Twitter activity when you comment on Texas. I mean, it's good for business when Texas is like this, like it's, it's yeah, good for everybody. Is, oh yeah. And, and oh, and I, I enjoy yeah, no one cares that. when Texas is good. No, no, no one, no one at all. No, only when you control them consistently. So anyways, Peyton, we do have some college football rankings. Uh, they should be coming out. I don't know, Matt, is this game and the college basketball game, is it over the first one? Are they, have they it should be the over. Yet? It should be over. It should be starting right now. It was so slated to start at eight. So, so the college football playoff rankings, Oklahoma came in eight last week. They had obviously seven teams in front of them. Uh, it's easy math there. You don't need to pull out a calculator for that one. Uh, you have Georgia one. I know Alabama two, three, four, five, six, seven always escape me because I just don't care. I know in some faith, faith, you know, fashion, it's Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan State, Michigan. Michigan State goes down last week in Peyton, Oklahoma. What do you think they're going to be at tonight? They're going to move up to seven. They're going to move up one spot. Uh, I, I think we're probably looking at man, I, I just, I'm looking at Bill Conley's tweets right now. He says, OU's uh, resume, S&P Plus, is 20th. Uh, Michigan's is fourth. I mean, I, I don't – Michigan State's 15th. I, I don't think OU's moving up, honestly. I mean, just from what we look at, how we look at it. Uh, I don't – Michigan proved they're probably the number seven team. And uh, this committee, which I actually applaud them for, maybe a little too stubbornly, really look at head-to-head and say it has the matter – so Michigan State's not going to fall behind Michigan. OU's not going to jump both of them. I think we're going to be – and it'll be easy for them to explain it away, say OU is the same team we saw last week. You know, they haven't changed. They haven't taken another test yet. Other people took tests around them, but I, I think OU is going to be eight again. Uh, and it's kind of frustrating, but it's the bed they've made in. Uh, I still think OU is being unfairly punished – for the first five weeks of the season um, and seeing its struggles uh, offensively. Uh, but as the, the offense has gotten better, the defense has started to wane. So maybe it's a give or take either way, I guess. Yeah. So let's go to focus on some games from last week. And you learn anything from Georgia, Missouri? No, I answered it for you. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you learned that. I, I think you've, you've tried to, you're more poking at, at the facade of Georgia than I am. I think they're the team. I, I think that's just the team they're going to win. Hey, I'm not poking anything at my national championship team. Hey, if anything happens this year, I need Georgia to fucking win it all. If Georgia can win yeah. it all, I'm great. I'm gravy. For, I'm gravy for the next nine months. Yeah, uh, or until January. Yeah, thank you for joining the OU fan podcast where you're openly cheering for the Georgia Bulldogs. I appreciate no. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, Alabama LSU intriguing one. Alabama rushes the ball for six yards on Saturday, Peyton. Yeah, that's a little interesting because you've seen Bama have this before. And I remember uh, I was inside that cigar shop in Norman watching Brady and a Chisholm do a post game, watching that Florida game through a window, thinking, oh, man, Florida, Bama, Florida's like showing up. And then you actually find out, no, Florida's actually horrible. And that Bama just kind of str- struggles with teams that have athletes. So it, it's it, they feel more gettable than they have in a while. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. They just don't really feel like the Goliaths that they usually are. 
And I think the the team at the end of the year for them is so intriguing with Auburn because Bo Nix has been so up and down throughout his career, and that hasn't changed much this year. The two weeks prior to the A&M game. I don't think that's a game. Yeah, two weeks prior to the A&M game last week in Payton, Bo Nix played pretty good football. Like, it was really surprising. Like, taking what was given to him, making big plays, making explosive plays in the run game, and then Mike Elko just – suffocated him on Saturday in College Station. Uh, Here's the kicker, and I'm not a big, like, because I trust my eyes, I trust what the data tells me, I trust what the numbers say. Uh, Has Alabama, like, going to be a 15 to 21-point favorite on the road at Auburn? But, man, there every since I've been alive, and I know this is not dating back a long time, but Alabama was not very good in the 2000s until Saban came around. Mm-hmm. But my entire life, you want to talk about priors. I can't remember Bama going into Jordan Hare and playing well. I just can't. Like, I can't think of it. Maybe 2011, like when Bama, I think they won it that year. Um, like maybe. But ever since, it's a, it is a brawl. Every game that a Bama plays in that place. Like, it's crazy to me. And it, yeah. It, maybe it's just one yeah. of those things. Yeah, I don't that think I'm just about over, it that I'm, way. I'm overlooking or overthinking it. Maybe. I don't know. I just, it just, this Bama team, I don't know if they've got it right. We talk about, we've talked about the it factor a lot around Oklahoma. Like I just don't know if Bama has it, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's kind of like Jason. Uh, they're not dead until they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, I was a little bit worried about Clemson after the Georgia game thinking, well, they're not dead yet. And now they're dead, dead, you know, it's whatever, but and until they're dead, until you chop the until you chop the dude's head off, they can still be the team. They have obviously what are they eighty percent blue chip or something like that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. turn it around. They're like eighty four percent time. But yeah, it's 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 a rivalry game. It's OU Texas. I mean, that's a, that's our perspective of it. it. Charlie Strong was beating good OU football teams. It doesn't really matter when it comes to these games. These dudes are geeked up. They're right next to each other. They've recruited over each other. I mean, it, it, it's that, that's hard just to sit there and say, oh, this team should do that in those type of rivalry perspectives. Alabama, 83.33% this year. BCR, Peyton, by the way. 83% Wild. of the Wild. Uh, Wild. Oh, other game happened last weekend. Uh, Michigan State goes on the road to Purdue and gets taken yeah. out by the – and gets taken out by the Boilers. Matt Burton, I told you a week ago, my Purdue Boilermaker was going to win last weekend. Man, I am shocked. I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't pick it last week, Peyton. I was like, Michigan State is, they're good, but they're not great. You know, like, I they're, I don't know in terms of matchup-wise how I would feel about them playing Oklahoma, just from a phys- physicality perspective. But, like, I just, teams that... It's not like Iowa State, Brees Hall bad. It's not, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of old teams that just hand it to a guy 30 times a game and it works. But it's, I mean, if Kenneth Walker's not rushing for 200, Michigan State's not winning. And if he's not rushing for three to four touchdowns, then I think it was inevitable for them to drop a game. I'm just happy it happened the weekend that I was all over Purdue. Yeah, Purdue is someone who is just, un- you know, what am I trying to say here? They just are who they are. And they're not trying to fuck around and like disguise stuff. We're just going to throw the football a whole bunch of times. Uh, and if you do that in Big Big Ten, you're going to catch people every once in a while. 
I mean, Michigan State obviously was Foles' goal this entire time. I mean, their offense was too boomer bust. That's some, that's one of the reasons why I'm a little more optimistic about OU coming down the stretch. They're not really a boomer bust offense right now under Caleb. They're kind of really efficient. <laughs> uh, Michigan State was not efficient in any way, shape, or form. It's either 80 yard football, 80 yard runs, or one yard runs. Uh, and eventually, you just don't get the 80 yard runs, and then you lose. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think it's a good comparison. Like I had in my head against comparing Michigan State and OU. I think the committee is kind of comparing the two that way. Uh, but you have to just be efficient to continue. And Michigan State just wasn't and isn't. Michigan beats the crap out of Indiana. I don't really care much about Michigan until this weekend. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. Cincinnati squeaks by Tulsa and should have lost. Did you watch any of that game? Yes. I wasn't able to watch any I, of it. I didn't watch any of that game. Uh, again, I was moving – and, and, and buying appliances. But uh, I think in the post, you know, shout out to Tulsa. They gave UC Davis uh, a hard, uh, you know, they, that, was a, that was a good win for UC Davis. Tulsa hung strong against them. So it's kind of, it's kind of good to see Tulsa hang around a team that couldn't beat uh, UC Davis. So uh, maybe we'll see uh, that get reflected in the committee as well uh, coming up tonight. That, that's a game. That's a team I could see getting, getting punished uh, kind of, but, I, I guess they got to keep Notre Dame up there as well for the rate for rating. So I don't know. I, In I, the Big that's Ten one West. team I could see falling back. Uh, what's, who wins it? No, Notre Dame just in because they've played Wisconsin. Like they're in, oh, in the trickle yeah, down yeah, effect yeah. from there, right? Yeah, it all uh, adds up. Yeah. Which I think Wisconsin's you're going to be your West. We will uh, not be getting to the college football playoff rankings tonight, Peyton, because Kansas and Michigan State have a minute left in this game. Um, but we do have some games coming up this weekend. I just touched on one of them, Michigan and Penn State. Uh, I think whenever you, you talk about, like, opponents and how they match up and this and that, I think Michigan is an awful matchup for Penn State. I know this is early. It's a Tuesday pod. Really? We're going to be talking more and more. I do. I, don't, I am not a Sean Clifford guy. I am not a fan of – yeah, but his his ceiling is I don't I think like he is made up more than it's kind of like Trace McSorley, like big name quarterback, like name that's recognizable, like in the sport plays at a team that wins, you know, more than they lose every year. Right. But don't really kind of get over that hump. Like I I'm just not there. I know Penn State's defense is good, too, but like Illinois putting up 400 rushing yards or whatever it was on them like two weeks ago. I know Ohio state can't run the football for anything right now, but that's what Michigan's yeah. bread and butter is, man. I mean, they, they run the football, they get into play action. They get the, whoever the quarterback is there. That's probably not very good. They get him out of the pocket. They do things that are well And Michigan's defense is pretty good. Like I'll give them some credit. Like they gave up, you know, five touchdowns to Kenneth Walker, but as you said, those were kind of boomer bust runs. Like they would get one, two yards, and then Kenneth Walker would take it for 50. You know, and so um, I think it's an awful matchup. But any thoughts on uh, Michigan Penn State or in, any of the other games if you have them up the top of your head? Well, I see, I thought you were playing at the, the other side of the coin uh, for a second. That's why I said, oh, really? I think Michigan probably beats them by 20, to be honest with you. That's where um, I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is going to, there's still a, a term from the solid verbal. I think it's going to be a crockpot game. They're just going to slowly boil them alive. Uh, you know, it's going to be seven three at the end of the quarter, and then seventeen uh, uh, six, and then you know it just slowly builds up that way. And then all of a sudden, you find out that it's you know thirty one fourteen or something like that. You know, it, I think it's 
it's a game that they're just going to choke the life out of them. That's a game Michigan wants to play. Uh, I think that's a game they can play. It will be interesting to see what happens when they uh, – I can't – did they go to the horseshoe? I, I, I think Ohio State I think goes be to Michigan. Game. I think that's a styles make fights type of a game. Obviously, you've got Ohio State's like, we just want to throw the ball and throw it for 600 yards. you got Michigan saying, well, we want to run it for 600 yards. So that's going to be interesting to see. And OSI State can't stop the run. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, that might be one of the first big games that's actually interesting what, in the last five years, besides that one like fourth down game. Uh, that will be the interesting in the first, you know, five or four, four or five years or so. So two teams I didn't just touch on a second ago was Ohio State. They squeak by Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Very OU-like. I, I mean, like, and here's my thing. Like, I, I know come on here and, like, I, I don't try to, like, go to the past to be like, I said this, said that. I, are you in on C.J. Stroud? I know it's early. I'm not – I'm never one to give oh, up on guys. Uh, no. I'm not in on him. I think he is uh, – I'm, I'm, this is my – I think Brady and I have the exact same opinion as C.J. Stroud. He is Landry Jones. Uh, he uh, is, He just yes. has five five-star wide receivers <laughs> around him. Now, he can throw a pretty ball, and he can get it to him. But a lot of his big-time plays are like, oh, he hit Garrett Wilson on a five-yard slant, and then Garrett Wilson ran it for 85 yards. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's being propped up. He's a kid. He could get better. But I think if you, if you look at OU's kid, and compare the two, uh, Caleb Williams looks like a dude of dudes, and CJ Stroud looks like he's a, a game manager facilitator. And the other one was Oregon. Oregon kind of squeaks by Washington in its own total, sense, but kind of like you said, fraud. yeah, I think it's kind of like you said, like there was kind of like a crockpot slow burn for Washington last weekend. I'm with you, like part of me, whenever – with Oregon, right? Like you always know when they play, they're going to have the best player on the field. Like no matter what with Kayvon Thibodeau. And I think that always gives you a Mm -hmm. chance, especially at the position he plays in. I just, like I said, at the beginning of the year, part of the reason why, like I USC uh, obviously has fallen off this year. I mean, fallen into a different dimension. Um, But that was part of the reason why, like I thought US, like somebody probably could have nicked up Oregon in the PAC 12 their quarterback play, and it's a focus for both Ohio State and Oregon, but Anthony Brown ain't it. Like, he just isn't. Like, that's not a guy that I'm picking in a, in a playoff game to continue to go on and, and win and do things. Um, but I think, again, like I said, because they have Kayvon Thibodeau and, like, field position this year has been extremely important across the sport. It is every single year, but it seems like every team that gets short fields is winning games this year, <laughs> like in some sort of fashion, whether it puts off a kickoff return or a turnover, interception, fumble, you know, whatever it may be, like anytime you can supply you that. Um, but there is really no games this weekend besides Michigan, Penn State, Peyton. Um, now that we've got all the playoff teams covered, there's really no other games that are super, super intriguing. There is one, though, and I'm going to throw this at you. We'll go off topic just a hair here because this is a program and a fan base that's near and dear to our hearts, Peyton. The Texas A&M fight Aggies. If Auburn does beat Bama at the end of the year, A&M gets into the SEC title game. Don't know if that's true. I did not thought, but my only, my only, they play Ole Miss this weekend. This might be on the road. They're on the road at Ole Miss. And that game 
could get that game could get weird if if Ole Miss can get the ball in the air. That defense can, I think, you know, AM can get got, uh, be had to a certain degree. I, I think AM, if, if King doesn't get hurt, I think AM's probably looking at one loss or maybe an undefeated season at this point in time. Uh, Zach, how that, or however, you know, Zach, uh, what, how you say his last name? Uh, he's just not that dude. He's kind of grown into a decent quarterback, but I mean, I, I really think they just, they've got a Jimbo's built like an actual team. It just needs – they're just missing that one playmaker, which could have taken them over it's amazing. the top. It's an amazing, isn't it? Yeah, because Jimbo did not look like he had the will or, or want to build a team like this again. I mean, he built multiple teams like this at Florida State, but I guess he was just truly done with it, you know, in Tallahassee. But at AM, he's got it rolling. And even then, I mean, if you just look at recruiting stuff, he's recruiting, I believe, in the top seven – Every single year, it's not like he's recruiting top two or anything like that. I mean, he's recruiting in like an OU range of recruiting, but they just yeah, they're in the sixty percent. They're sixty percent. They're right with Oklahoma and Clemson yeah. recruiting wise. They've got dudes where you need to have them. Uh, it, it's it's just a they're just a quarter. I think I think I think Red Dirt and I uh, were kind of on similar page on when it came to Hayes Kings. I think he's a dude. I think he's pretty good. Uh, I think he could have had them at a much higher spot than where they are now. I I feel kind of bad for that fan base knowing they could be good, but I think the Aggie fan base is actually more happy when they can say they could have been good than when they actually are good. So maybe it's better for them. Yeah. We'll see about Haynes King next year. I would imagine the Weigman kid, as long as the Weigman kid doesn't get drafted in the top five rounds of baseball. Um, which is a possibility. Yeah. Like there's a chance that they could literally lose a guy that Lincoln Riley wanted in Norman. Like, <laughs> uh, anyways, that is all I've got for you guys. Uh, you can come check us out on our Patreon. Uh, you can, if you want to, that's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Peyton, I read some of the comments. I've read the question. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a, like I am at a, I, I think they lose the Texas game. I think just with the way everything was going that day. Uh, and as I read, we'll tell you the question here in just a second. I think the way that was, it was, everything was going that day in the cotton bowl, the way Spencer Rattler was responding to adversity in the wrong way. Kind of why is this happening to me? Lurk? I think they would have lost that game. Uh, I think they probably still would have come and came back in the second half, but would have fallen short. I do think the next three games are probably similar, though, in terms of the question of where is Oklahoma at with Caleb with Spencer Rattler opposed to Caleb Williams, right? If I remember the question correctly. Yes, if Caleb Williams was the day one starter. Oh, Caleb was the day one starter. Day one starter, yes. Spencer's never seen. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I I think that. It, it it's one, he would have more time. Like I think the thing that happened in Kansas, right. With the timing and the aspect of it and not seeing an understanding part of the playbook and like where his eyes need to be, like where he's supposed to be attacking. Like, mm-hmm. I think at that point, it's probably already out. I think I'm not going to assume that I know that because this year has shown me anything Peyton that uh, the, anything can happen, uh, even though it's been 15 years since we've seen as crazy of a season. 
Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I, I think they're in the same spot. I think that they're probably already running the football a little bit better, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. there's parts, there's piece of this puzzle that I'm 100% sure of. I, don't, I still think the offensive line is allowing a guy from Texas Tech to go right through the A-gap the entire game. Uh, I still think that's happening based off what we've seen. Um, but I, I do think that some of those growing pains that he had already be grown out of. Does that make sense? It is. I think the only game that flips, and honestly, this is the game, I think I, I maybe told you and Brady uh, that I had circled and almost was proven right. I think the only game that flips is the West Virginia game. Um, th- that was a defense that showed up and had OU's number from the start, and the offense had OU's number from the start. So I think OU would potentially have lost against West Virginia with Caleb uh, because he would still be young enough. It would be kind of a letdown. Um, it's kind of, it was nestled in between two bigger games that OU was like really circling on their calendar. Um, I think that was probably, would probably be the growing pains, but I do think all the other wins just add another touchdown to them. So, I mean, you'd be looking, I think the committee would be looking at, um, OU like they look at um, Oregon or Ohio State. Uh, yeah, something like that. A more team that's like, oh, look how high their ceiling is because they're, you know, they're dropping 40 on people, but they stumbled out early. I think that's probably where the team is now. Probably historically like the other OU playoff uh, teams lose one early and then just show off the rest of the season. We'll be diving into more of kind of where Oklahoma's at heading into this final stretch on Thursday as we preview Baylor on Through the Keyhole for you guys that are subscribed to the podcast. Thank you to the people that leave reviews. Continue to do that. Leave us five-star reviews uh, as well. We greatly, greatly appreciate those. Uh, For Matt Burton, for Peyton Guthrie, for all of our patrons that do support us, thank you guys. Thank you guys for allowing us to do this, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace out. Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner.